Hey guys, this is your host, Kip Schubert of the Warriors on Purpose podcast. This is a show where we explore faith, purpose, and life, and setting our target as being the greatest life imaginable. If you guys would like the notes for this episode, just email me at kip at warriorsonpurpose.com. You can also check out our website at warriorsonpurpose.com and click on the podcast link and submit a request for the notes there. You can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I really hope you enjoy the show. And just remember, where you are right now is not where you have to be. Hey guys, this is Kip Schubert with the Warriors on Purpose podcast and welcome to the show. This is our very first initial podcast and I'm just excited and pumped um, to start it and to bring you a word um, in it today. And um, the first episode is going to be about faith. You know, and faith is, is about what we believe in. It's about who we let have control in our life. And it's about what action that we're taking. And, you know, for me, you know, my faith um, took a great hit as I was growing up in, in junior high. And in the eighth grade, my parents went through a really ugly divorce. And that's a whole nother episode in itself. But I was kind of caught up in it a little bit and put in the middle. And, you know, everything that I believed in up until that point was shattered. I lost my identity. I lost my, my self-worth. Uh, I failed or, or stopped knowing what I believed in. And, you know, I would spend the next 30 years trying to figure out who I was and what I believed in. At that moment that my parents got divorced, I was trying to to fix it. I was trying to fix my life, piece it back together with whatever I could find, you know, just duct tape it all back to where, to where, or like it was before. And, you know, of course, being so young at that time, I had no idea that life was going to be different from that point forward, but I would spend a lot of my time in high school and in my adult life you know, just trying to fix it, trying to put it back together. It started with with athletics, um, with the game of soccer, uh, my youth group in church in high school. Um, then it went to collegiate sports. Um, then it went to women. And after a couple failed marriages and things not going so well, it even turned to the bottle and turned to alcohol. And by the age of 46, I was a full blown homeless, raging alcoholic. You know, faith is a, is a funny thing for people. It's harder for people to grasp because it's not something that we can see or touch or smell or grab a hold of. And the definition of faith in, in, the, in the dictionary says a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You know, in God's word in Hebrews 11, 1, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so it's requiring us to, to believe and trust and put our control into something that we can't grasp or see or touch. And that's very difficult. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And, you know, one person comes to mind, and of course, it's, I hope it doesn't sound cliche, but Abraham in the Bible was a man of, of great faith. That is why God made him the father of many nations. And, you know, Abraham was a nobody. And God takes nobodies and makes somebodies out of them. 
but he was made a somebody because he dared to trust what God said. And Abraham lived not on what he saw he couldn't do, but he lived on what God said that he could do. And, you know, when he was really old and God says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You're going to have a son. He didn't laugh at God saying, yeah, right. I'm 100 and my wife's barren and uh, good luck with that. Um, He trusted in God to do it. And God gave him a son when he said, I want you to go to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac and kill the son that I gave you. Abraham didn't question it. He just believed not in what he couldn't do. He believed in what God said that he would do. And so he knew that God was going to make him the father of many nations. He just had to be obedient. So he took Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him. And right before he completed that act, God said, stop, you're faithful. And he tested him in that. And so, you know, that's a biblical story, but it's a really good, good story. It's a really good example that Abraham said that he just completely trusted God in what he said. He didn't trust in what he saw. He didn't trust in his circumstances. He didn't trust in his experience. He just trusted what God said he, he, he would do. He trusted in the unseen. He put his complete trust in somebody. And, and that is faith. You know, for me, until I was at the age of 46, I had really, I mean, I, I believed in God. I, I knew that, that, that he could do great things. And, and I believed in the Bible and the stories and in Jesus and that he had saved me. You know, I, I believed in all of that. Um, but what I was lacking in my faith is I, I really didn't know what the substance of what I believed in. And I was trying to still fix it. So I still had all the control and I wasn't taking any action. For me, God was like a genie in the bottle that I continued to rub on the bottle and he never came out to to grant me my wishes. And when I was 46 and I went into rehab and I really went into rehab as a favor to my family to get them off my back. Um, still not realizing that, that I had a problem and that's the insanity with addiction. Um, you know, I was, I had lost my car. I had lost the respect of my older children and my family. Um, I had lost my house. I had a suitcase and a cardboard box with underwear and socks in it. Um, you know, bouncing from couch to couch or floor to floor, um, or the coach's office at school. Um, and I'd become homeless and financially in ruins. Yet I still thought it was everybody else's fault, you know, and that's the insanity of addiction. So when I got to Valley Hope, I thought, you know, this is a 30 day deal where I'll be able to chill out. They're going to teach me how to, to drink responsibly, um, like a gentleman, you know, I'm be able to drink like everybody else and not have a problem with it. And I'll get kind of my life back together, take a really big vacation and a break, have a warm bed, three good meals, and I'll be good to go. Um, and, and again, not realizing what God was going to do in my life in that place. The third day into my stay at Valley Hope and rehab, I was called into the counselor's office. And I'll never forget this. My counselor, Christy, um, set me down and she let me know that I had lost um, all my custodial rights to my five-year-old little girl. And I could not contact her. I could not see her. Um, I was court ordered to not have any contact with her whatsoever, or I would be in contempt. And that was the crushing blow for me. That's what finally pulled the scales back from my eyes. And I was able to see Kip 
God, dear God, you have an issue. You have a problem. Your life is completely unraveled and in shambles and is gone. You know, my first reaction to, to Christy telling me that was just to, to run away from the, from the place, um, to check out of the rehab, to get my stuff and go and to go get drunk and to, to end it all. That was my plan. And, um, I kind of stood over that plan the rest of the evening, trying to figure out how I was going to just, you know, end my life and just to, to leave it all behind. And I walked by the chapel they had at Valley Hope. And for some reason, you know, I, I know the God just moved me to go in there. And I walked in, I, I sit down on the front row of, of the pew there and up on the wall, they had this crucifix um, the cross and Jesus was on the cross. And, um, I just stared at it and I don't know how long I stared at it. It seemed like forever. It probably wasn't that long. Um, and I, and I began to reflect on my life from that eighth grade year in junior high until I was 46 to all the promise to all the success that I had had as, as a young man, as an athlete, as a husband and as a father, as a teacher and a coach, um, and all those things and, and how it had completely just slipped through my fingers and how I had quit on everything that was good for me and how I had turned my back on my life and how I just had unraveled. And it really wasn't anybody else's fault. And I finally got it that it was my fault. It was my choices. It was the, it was the sum of everything that I had decided to do that brought me to that point. And I had a, I had a glimmer of hope, a, a sense of, if I can do better, a sense of, I want my life back. And I could think of only one word to say. And I said, help. And immediately I just felt this warm sensation from my head to my feet, just kind of, and it's so difficult to describe, but it just went from my head through my body to my feet. And I stood up. And at that point I knew I was going to make it. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I didn't know the road or the path that I would take, but I knew that there was hope. I knew that there was purpose on my life and I knew I could do it. I just had to start believing. I had to relinquish my control and I had to start taking action. And again, that's not, that's really easy to say. It's a simple process, but for, for us as human beings, for most of us, it's, it's really hard, you know, for us to do. And so I, you know, I made that decision on my third day in rehab and life has been just one step of better ever, ever since that day. And it doesn't mean that there hasn't been valleys or bad times or, or bad days because there has, but there hasn't been a relapse. I moved on from Kip the alcoholic to Kip a warrior on purpose. And I grew in that, in, you know, in that walk in, in my recovery. And as I began to walk out my faith and I was figuring out what I believed in and that the word of God was true and that I had to surrender my control that I could no longer fix it, that I had tried so long to fix myself and I couldn't do it, but that God could. And so I had to let him. And anytime that I would try to take back over parts of my life or, or get back in the front seat and drive that car, I would be reminded that you're going to drive into the ditch. And I would quickly remove myself and let God have it back. And I had to take some action. And 
as I came out of rehab and, and, you know, back in my hometown and, and starting to walk out my recovery, the first thing I thought was, okay, I'm going to get my daughter back because now I don't drink. And the legal process, especially here in Oklahoma against fathers, isn't that easy, especially to an alcoholic who's just fresh out of rehab that doesn't have a house, that doesn't have a car, um, that has nothing but a suitcase and a cardboard box. It, 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 it took some time and it was a difficult road ahead. And of course, I began to, to figure that out. And for the next two and a half years, I would struggle to to find that faith, to stay in a place where God had control and to continue to take action because it took that long for me to regain my daughter back. And during that time, I started to take daily action by getting up each morning really early and getting in the word of God, meditating on it, praying to God, just talking to God, developing a relationship with him. You know, it's all he really wants from us anyway. And I began to just let him lead me in the things that I did. And there was times that I would take steps thinking God was leading me and it was just me again, taking control. And so there was times where I would step off the beam of bed and, and God would put me back on. Um, and then I had to continue just to take action. But the, the hardest part was believing in the fact that God would do what he said. And God would, God was going to restore my child to me. God was going to bring Camden back into my life if I just did what he said. And towards the end of that two and a half years, um, with, you know, trying to talk to, to my ex-wife, her mother, um, and to make headway there. I wrote letters. I made phone calls to her and to her husband and sent texts and then, you know, try to go through family and try to go through her family, everything I could do to show them that I was doing well and I was beginning to thrive and, and, you know, I deserved it. Right. And, you know, I really began to turn to God at the, in that moment, those times in your life that kind of either make or break you. And it was, it felt like it was breaking me, but it really was making me. And it was making me the warrior that I am today. And I continue to strive to be in that. I just kept focusing on that faith, you know, that God wants us to be there in our children's lives. And he wants us to be strong examples and influences for them. But I just couldn't figure out why it was taking so long. And of course, near the, near the end of that two and a half years, I began to question God. It's like, okay, all right, big guy. I mean, I'm doing everything you say. I'm doing the best I can. I am, I am not drinking. I am, you know, going to church. I'm reading your word. I'm you know, I'm being who I think that you want me to be. I'm being a good employee. I'm being a good teacher. Um, you know, I'm being a good father to my older kids. I'm, you know, working on being a, a much better husband. And, and, and that's another story as well. And a son and, and an uncle and, you know, and all of those things. So, you know, enough is enough. But the the important thing is I didn't sit, sit down in the hallway. I didn't stop. I just kept moving. I, it's okay to, to question. It's okay to get a little bit, you know, you know, passionate about it. You know, God, God is okay with us boldly coming to him with our cares. He says, cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. Um, but it's important that we just continue to believe that he's going to be true to what he says. And we had, um, 
saved up enough money to get a really high powered attorney. Um, and we are going to meet with her and go ahead and, and, and make the, the payment to her to retain her, which was a lot of money that we didn't have. And, um, the night before I went to, to church and there was a guy by the name of Chris Hart who is just this phenomenal young man of God with this great family. And I'd always watched him at church and seen, and, and I saw how he, how he just carried out his life. And it just, I could just tell he was powerful. And, and we had a moment that night just to go get prayer during the service with people. And Chris was one of the guys that was up in the back to go get prayer with. And so I went straight to him and man, it was just powerful. He prayed that, that, you know, God, he said, you know, Kip will get Cam back. She, he will be back in her life. You want these two together and they're going to thrive. And, you know, this, uh, I really can't recite to you the prayer, the way he said it and how he said it, but it was just power. And the next day, I get a, a text from my ex-wife, Camden's mother, and said, hey, would you like to see your daughter? And at that moment, for me, that was like, you know, it, it's a miracle, yeah. But it's just a testament to believing that God is going to be true to what he said. And I started to realize that, you know, he could have answered my prayer. He could have brought her back into my life at any time, but he brought her back at exactly the right time for both of us. I'd had two and a half years to mature, to develop, to become a strong man that she needed to have in her life as her father. And, you know, I know that now looking back. And so when you're going through those times where you're wondering where God is, why haven't you answered me? Know that he never he never lies. He always comes through on what he says, and he's just using the time to develop you so you're ready when he brings that promise to you. And so, again, with with our faith, you know, it's it's what do you believe in? Who has control and what kind of action are you taking? You know, with that situation with my daughter, I knew what I believed in. I struggled, but I was learning through that two and a half years who needed to be in control. And by taking action over that two and a half years on a daily basis, I was able to be humbled brought down to, to the level that I needed to be brought down to so I could be built back up. And I was able to require the discipline that I would need to deal with the situations that went with, with my ex-wife and went with receiving Cam back into my life and being the strong person for her, you know, that I needed to be. And so that's the moment um, that two and a half years was the, really the moment that I started to understand what I believed in again. And I really regained the faith that I think is so important to that whole, the whole mantra that we use here at Warriors on Purpose about our lives of faith, purpose, and life. You know, I, I would, I, um, want to stop for just one second and ask if you guys are enjoying this podcast to um, subscribe to it. Give us a review. Tell us what you think, how we can do better. Um, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Warriors on Purpose. We've got a new website out, warriorsonpurpose.com. It's almost completed. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy it. There's a lot of really good stuff for, for you on there, as well as booking me for a speaker for your next event. And if you will contact me through that site, um, email me, message me on social media somehow, I will send you a downloadable PDF worksheet um, for finding your faith. And so as I close out um, this first episode and um, 
I've, I've continued to walk out that, that walk of faith in my life. A year ago, about this time, um, about maybe about a year and, and three months ago, um, me and my wife, Cindy, were coming back from vacation and she had had a physical that the, um, the blood work was a little messed up on it. And so the, her, her regular physician wanted her to wait five weeks and thought it was probably a diet issue. And, um, when we came, came back from vacation, just come in again and, um, get another blood test and, you know, we'd go on down the road and she had been feeling a little tired, but that's really about it. You know, that was five weeks passed and she went in for another, uh, checkup and, and did the blood work and they immediately sent her to an oncologist, a cancer doctor. And the diagnosis that she received um, as we went forward with that was that she had a rare form of blood cancer that was incurable that was going to kill her called Waldenstein's microbilemia. And I know that the, the the, the events and situation and experiences that had happened in our lives leading up to that point made us ready to be able to tackle that diagnosis of an incurable cancer that was going to kill her. And I won't lie to you. Initially, we both were, and I think probably me so even a little bit more than her because she is one hell of a tough lady. Um, but it, initially, I was like, oh, my God, you know, really? Not her, not now, not this. But I remembered pretty quickly that I've got to go by what God says. And God says that, you know, because I, remind, I reminded that first part about your faith. What do you believe in? You know, Kip, what do you believe in? Well, I believe that God says that she's going to live and not die. I believe that God says that by his stripes, we were healed. That means it's already been done. I believe that when any two people come into agreement, that when Jesus said, when we do that and you pray to the God, pray to God, he hears you and it's done just on earth as it is in heaven. And so knowing that God never comes back void of power, he never lies. He always comes through on his promise. We decided to know what we believed in. We stood on those, on those promises of God. We gave complete control to God in the entire situation. It didn't matter what the doctor said. It didn't matter what the levels in her blood were. It didn't matter what course of action with chemo that they put her through. They did put her through for six months. It didn't matter any of that. She was going to be healed. And we just continued to take the right action. We went and did what the doctor said. We went through, or she went through the six rounds of chemo. Um, you know, like a trooper, but the entire time she went through that, the entire time that, that she was going through that process, we knew she was healed and we just stood on that. It didn't matter anything that they did or said. All that mattered was, was what God said. And, you know, we got through the chemo treatments. I'd gotten through the first season back in coaching, um, soccer at a local high school um, that I hadn't coached in over a decade um, for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, but I took a job at a high school that hadn't won many games at all in the last five years. They'd won like less than five games in five years, and they had just been kind of the worst team in the top class in Oklahoma uh, for quite a while. They were known for that. And I don't know why I took the job, but I took the job and, and um, of course, 
God was using me and, and, and let me exercise my faith and, and using me as a weapon to, to help impact people. And, and we had the best season that we had, that that school had had in over a decade. And one of the best seasons that they had had in, in 30 plus years in their history. And we came off that season, we came out of chemo. We were just excited and pumped because we knew what the outcome was going to be. And in her last checkup, after the last round of chemo, the doctor comes in and just looks completely bewildered. And he looks at Cindy and says, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you, but the cancer is gone. There's no signs of it anywhere. Um, you're, you're healed. I know it's, they say it was incurable and all that, but you're good. And when he, he continued to try to explain medically the situation and how he really didn't know what had happened, Cindy stopped him. And this was the, the awesome moment in the whole thing. She stopped him while I'm sitting there in tears. She's not tearing up at all. She's just so strong. She stops him and she says, it's God. And, you know, that's what I'm telling you. Faith is real. You know, faith can change your life. It changed mine. It changed ours. You just have to, to figure out what you believe in. You have to surrender your control and then you have to take action. And that's where most people stop or, or get tripped up because they sit there like I did for 46 years saying, God, where are you? What are you going to do? What action are you going to take? Really? Are you kidding me? God sent his son, turned his back on us, turned his back on, on his son. Let his son die for our sins. He sent his son to die for us. And sometimes we ask, you know, where are you? What are you going to do for us? He paid the ultimate price. He did everything that he possibly could do for us. And so it's up to us now to take that action. So if, so if, if you're struggling with finding your faith, you're wondering where your faith is, maybe you, you have faith, but it's not strong. Get clear on what you believe in. Learn to surrender your control and give it to God 100%. And then start taking massive, determined action. And then you too will get an unshakable faith that will lead you to your purpose, that will give you a life that's beyond anything you can imagine or think. Thank you guys for listening to today's show. Um, I appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. Hi, this is Kip with the Warriors on Purpose podcast. And guys, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to our episode today. And if you would do us a big favor, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. Also, if you're interested in the notes from today's show, you can email me at kip at warriorsonpurpose.com or check out our website, which is also warriorsonpurpose.com and click on the podcast uh, link in the menu. You can also follow us on our social media accounts, which you, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And you know, if there is just anything that I can help you with, I want to know what I can do for you. Email me at kip at warriorsonpurpose.com. And if I can't help you, I know someone who can. And remember that where you are right now is not where you have to be. And let's make our target the greatest life imaginable.